Our passage today is found in Isaiah 9, verses 2 to 3 and 6 to 7. It's found on page 8 in your worship guide. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness on them has, shown, has light shone. You've multiplied the nation. You've increased its joy. They rejoice before you, as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when, the, when they divide the spoil. For to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of the peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness. From this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Scott and Chloe and the others who have read thus far in our service. For to us, a son is given. For Christians and for many others, that is a very familiar phrase. You hear it in songs. You may see it on signs at this time of year. For to us, a son is given. That's a phrase that I think about uh, all throughout the year, not only at this time of year. And, And one of the ways I think about it is probably not a way you might normally think about it, but we, many of you know that we, play basketball right here in this room on Tuesday nights. And when we play, I'm the scorekeeper. I have to make sure everybody knows what the score is. So I'm yelling out the score as we play. And four to two is a common score in basketball. It doesn't happen every game, but usually every week. And if my team is winning, I'll call out four to us. Like we're, we're ahead. Four to us. And sometimes I'll even say, four to us, a son is given. Right here on the basketball court, right? You can do that, right? Proclaim God's truth anytime, anywhere. For to us, a son is given. It's a familiar phrase, but what does it mean and why is it so important? These words were written some 700 years before Jesus was born. And now we are hearing them, we're thinking about them some 2,000 years after he was born. So why are they so important? Why do they still matter today? I would propose to you that they are important even today because they reveal the answer to our distress, to our troubled world and our troubled lives. And the answer is not in the kingdoms or governments of this world, not in health or strength, not in wealth or possessions, not in science or philosophy, but is is indeed in that son who was given, Jesus Christ the child born whose birth we celebrate on Christmas Day. That passage that Chloe read from us from Isaiah was a prophecy about the coming of Jesus Christ. He is the fulfillment of that prophecy, that promise. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. These words are important because they tell us what God would do to increase our joy. They foretell how, to, how out of love for his people, God would give his son to deliver them out of darkness and bring them into his eternal kingdom of light. For to us, a son is given. I want to simply break that statement down into three questions this morning to help us meditate on what it means and why it's so important. And I hope that you'll never hear that familiar phrase again 
without marveling in wonder at what good news it is for us even today. So the first question is this, to whom was this son given? Or who's the us in that statement? This prophecy was originally given during the reign of King Hezekiah. Assyria had invaded Judah. This was around the 8th century BC and God's people were under siege. They were facing death. So at the time of this writing, the us referred to God's people Israel. But this was a prophecy of a child, a son to come. And so the us was not limited only to the Israelites who were alive at that time. The us refers to all the people that God has made a covenant with, all those people that he would indeed deliver out of darkness and bring into his kingdom of light. And so the us refers to us, God's people, today. But not just us as God's people, to us as sinners and sufferers in need of rescue, in need of deliverance. Verse 1 says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. That phrase, deep darkness, literally, literally means a death shadow. It's a word that Isaiah uses to kind of combine both darkness and death into one. And that's a description of the world then. And it's a description of our world now. And the son was given to sinners and sufferers in need in this land of deep darkness. To people in bondage, oppressed by enemies from without, the kingdoms of this world, warring nations, killing one another, but also oppressed by enemies from within, the divided kingdoms of our own hearts those competing and warring desires that bring destruction on ourselves. The son was given to sinners. The son was given to sufferers, to people in conflict, to those of us who mourn, to the, those who fail, to the weak, to the needy, to the brokenhearted, to the outcast, those who are not able to change their sorrow, their overwhelming circumstances, to people like this, people like us, the son was given. The son was given to sinners, to people who choose death over life, who choose darkness over light, to people who make bad decisions, who develop bad habits, who do bad things over and over and over again that hurt both themselves and others. The son was given to those who reject God, who run away from God, those who rebel against God, to those who are the enemies of God. God gave his son. He poured out his greatest love and his greatest gift on those who hate him, those who were his enemies. Why? Is God a fool? Who would do that? Well, none but God could and would do that. None but God had this son to give. And none but God had this love to give. And none but God had the desire and the ability by the gift of his son to transform those who were his enemies into his friends. For to us, a son is given. A son who would transform our lives. Who will lift us up out of sin and death and suffering. You see, only God could send 
the light into the world, into the darkness of our lives, and deliver us from this shadow of death. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. Notice how Isaiah says that. On them has light shone. This gift of love and light is not something that we sought out. It's not something that we pursued, something that we thought of or chose. We didn't put this on our Christmas list. God came to us through no obligation, nothing in us that would draw him to us, but God came to us. He shined into the darkness of our lives to reveal our need and to lead us out of death into life to increase our joy. Beloved, when you follow Jesus, it will not take all your suffering away immediately, and it will not be easy, but it will be for your joy, your eternal joy. This is good news. This, this is a goodness from outside of ourselves. It's an objective, surprising joy breaking upon sinners through the grace of Christ. For to us, to us a son is given. To us who do not deserve it, to us who so desperately need it, God gave the greatest gift. Well, what was that gift? This is our second question. Who is this child born? Who is the son given? And he is none other than God in the flesh. That's why we sing, veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. There are so many rich truths contained in these wonderful Christmas carols that we'll sing today. And I encourage you to just take note of those phrases that point us to the truth of God's word and to worship God as you sing those songs. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see. Hail the incarnate deity. For to us a child is born. This points us to both the humility and the humanity of the promised Messiah. For to us a son is given. This points us to both his eternity and his divinity. The son given is both truly God and truly man. He is miraculous. There is none other. There is none like him. And the government shall be upon his shoulders. Isaiah is telling us that this son given is the true ruler. He is the one with all dominion and all authority. And is there any doubt that we need to be delivered, freed from the bondage of our self-rule? where we strive to be, we act as if we are our own authority. But what government of this world has brought peace to its people? Some, yes, may do better than others, but none can give peace like this son. And what person has lived in such a way as to bring peace to both self and others? And again, yes, some may be better peacemakers than others, but who among us has not been hurt and hurt others by conflict. Beloved, the rule of this son is our rescue. It is our life. This promised Messiah King is the definition, the very definition of everything that is good and right and true and loving. And so Isaiah says, his name shall be called Wonderful 
counselor. This is a counselor who is never deceived. People are easily deceived. Our sin blinds us and makes us fools, but this son is never fooled. He has all wisdom. His counsel can never be improved upon. We are not his phone a friend. He does not call us when he is stumped. He knows all things. He knows what is best for us. He knows the best way to life and peace. He is the wonderful counselor. And he is also the mighty God. This son, the book of Hebrews will tell us, he upholds the universe by the word of his power. By simply a word, he upholds the world and everything in it. He is strong. He is able. In fact, the Hebrew behind this word has a sense of being the true hero, the mighty God. Sin makes us weak. It makes us slaves to our appetites and our desires. It makes us unable to be the kind of people that God made us to be, unable to do what God made us to do. And it's only this mighty God who is able to break those chains in our lives. We can't do it. No one else can do it for us, but this mighty God can do what we cannot. He's able to transform our lives, to change our hearts, to even change what we love. And that's the work we need him to do. He knows what is best for us, and he's able to provide us with what is best. He's the mighty God. He's also the everlasting father. Now, this is not saying that Jesus, the son, is the father in the trinity of the Godhead. Rather, in its original context, this title pictures this promised king as the protector of his people. That image of a father as one who protects. This is our everlasting protector. Yes, Jesus brings us into the family so we know God as our father. And then he protects us with his power forever. It's an everlasting protection He has total control over all eternity forever. So not only does he know what is best for us as the wonderful counselor, not only is he able to provide us with what is best as the mighty God, but in his love as our everlasting father, he wants what is best for us. And so he does indeed provide us with what is best for he is also the prince of peace. And this son given brings us into perfect peace. That Hebrew word shalom, not simply the absence of conflict, but the presence of the blessing of God Almighty is upon us through the Son. He brings us into peace with God himself and with man and with his new creation and his eternal kingdom. Paul Tripp has an Advent devotional and he has uh, one on this passage and he says that in this passage Isaiah is telling us That this Messiah to be born is exactly what every sinner desperately needs. You may not know it this morning. You may not sense it or feel it. But this child born, this son given, is exactly what each one of you here this morning desperately need. There's no one greater. No one more wonderful. This son given is the ultimate answer to every destructive thing that sin does to us. He is the answer to the sin that we cannot avoid or escape. Long before we were born, even before the world was created, God had appointed for us the one, this one who would be the remedy 
for every symptom of sin that would infect us all. And this leads us to that final question. Why? Why was the Son given to us? And it's hard to capture, really, to to fathom all the whys. We could take a long time exploring what the Bible has to say about all the reasons why this Son was given. One pastor has a book titled, 50 Reasons Christ Came. And I'm sure there's probably more than that you could find in the Scriptures. But we still have a lot of promises to read and a lot of carols to sing this morning. So I'm not going to explore all of those. I'm simply going to look at this passage in closing. The sun was given to bring us out of the land of deep darkness, out of that death shadow, and into his eternal kingdom of light and love to increase our joy. To increase our joy. Beloved, when you follow Jesus, when you trust in Jesus, he calls you to treasure, not away from it. We need to know that. We need to believe that. The Son was given to deliver us, to save us, to rescue us, to do what we could not do for ourselves. And he did this not simply by being born. Not simply by being born. But then by living a perfect righteous life to fulfill the law. And by dying. By dying a sacrificial substitutionary death in our place for our sins on the cross and by rising again from the dead and ascending into heaven and right now sitting at the right hand of God the Father Almighty where he lives now this moment to make intercession for us, for you and for me. The son was given because God made a promise to King David. God made a promise to his people And God keeps all of his promises. So the son was given to fulfill this promise that God made to be God's true forever king. To establish his throne and his reign of righteousness and justice and peace forever. And he was given. Beloved, we just sang these words. He was given to close the path to misery. That's one of my favorite phrases in the songs we sing. What a beautiful image that is. He closes the path to misery. He will cut it off. The day's coming when you will know no misery. It won't even be a memory for you. He closes that path to misery and instead he opens the fountain, the floodgates of joy that are found in him. He, he was given to give us the blessing of knowing the true God. For to us, a son is given. Why is this so important? Because in this son and in him alone is eternal life and joy and peace. Because he was given for our salvation. And this gift demands a response of total devotion. How will we respond today to the son, Jesus Christ? Matthew was one of the first followers of Jesus. He was an eyewitness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in his gospel, in chapter four, he tells us that this prophecy from Isaiah that had been written 700 years before was fulfilled in Jesus. And then Matthew says, from that time, Jesus began to preach saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Beloved, the only only proper response to this good news, for to us a son is given, is a daily life of repentance and faith. 
And that is the life of a Christian. The life of someone who follows Jesus. It's a life of daily repentance and faith. The Westminster Shorter Catechism is a series of questions and answers that summarize the teachings of the Bible. And it asks these two questions, uh, among many others, but these two questions, what is repentance unto life? And the answer is this, repentance unto life is a saving grace whereby a sinner, out of a true sense of his sin and apprehension of the mercy of God in Christ, does with grief and hatred of his sin turn from it unto God with full purpose of and endeavor after new obedience. Repentance every day. Repentance is to turn from the darkness of your own heart and life and to follow Jesus, the light of the world. Are you doing that today? May God grant us the grace and strength to do so. And then what is faith? Faith in Jesus Christ is a saving grace whereby we receive and rest upon him alone for salvation as he is offered to us in the gospel. Faith is to receive and to rest upon Jesus alone for salvation. This is not simply to know about him, to know the truth about him, or even to to acknowledge that it's true, but it is to receive him. It's a, a, a full trust and reliance upon Jesus to do what he came to do, what he promised to do, what he proved in his sinless life and his glorious resurrection. You depend fully on him to save you, to bring you out of darkness into light, out of death into life. You know, there's a difference. There's a difference between believing that Jesus can do this and actually entrusting your life and your eternity to his hands. So I have one last question for you this morning, and that is this. Have you personally entrusted your entire life and your eternity into the hands of Jesus, the son who was given. Beloved, there are no more wonderful hands. There are no wiser hands, no more powerful hands, no more tender, loving, protected hands, and no other hands than the hands of our Savior will lead you to eternal peace. For to us, a son is given. Beloved, behold the gift of God's Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and receive and rest upon him alone for salvation once again this morning. Amen.